Oh, this happens every time I come here. It's like I'm going to be interviewed on TV or something. Can we get the lights down a little bit? Oh, there's people there. Great. Well, it's a wonderful privilege this morning that I've got some of that Graceworks team here, live, in person. So I want to welcome uh, Tudana, Mick and Alison. Why don't you just stand up and turn around, you guys? They're all fine-looking people, as you can see. Uh, um, thanks, guys. So uh, they felt the call of God in their life uh, four years ago now? Three years ago and moved to Myanmar. And just sovereignly, it was the most sovereign thing that I met them. And uh, they invited me to their house and, and began to ask how, uh, what, what Gracewick was doing. And at, at that time, we were looking to uh, expand into the, into the healthcare area and we had the opportunity to buy uh, a sonography machine, the, one of the first portable sonography machines in Myanmar. Uh, but we had nobody to use it. And so I'm sitting and I'm sharing this in, and, uh, in their house. And Alison sitting there, tears start rolling down her face. I thought, what have we done? Um, and she said, well, you should be telling the story. Anyway, I'll tell the story. But God put a call on her heart as a little girl that she was going to go into the mission field in her space, maternal health care. Prior to that, she's working in the school where Mick taught, in the, in the library, just kind of filling in time. And, and out of that, you know, I just want to encourage you that God is in the business of putting people together, building sovereign foundations through divine appointments. Let him do it, because when he does it, some great things happen. So I've asked Ali to do a little presentation this morning. Uh, she's got a PowerPoint. Maybe we can run that first, and then Ali will get up and just share a little bit. Thank you. Um, thank you for the privilege and opportunity to speak with you. I, I see what Peter means. It's great. Um, I can see most of you, but that's all right. Um, as you can see, the music that was supposed to be played during that um, PowerPoint makes a huge difference. That's why I put music on movies, doesn't it? It sort of adds to the atmosphere and the drama. Well, it was actually a beautiful violin piece by... Um, actually, it's called The Mission. And I play it... Um, Nikki Vasilakis's sacred album I play at my... Um, medical clinics and also at the hospital where I work. Um, it just adds a beautiful atmosphere and a calming atmosphere for the mother as well as um, baby in utero because they can already hear. Um, about 16 weeks they can start hearing. So it's a, just a beautiful thing to do for them. Um, so unfortunately that music didn't work, but oh well. So Peter's already uh, told you part of what I was going to talk about, just how we got to Myanmar. Um, certainly being faithful to our calling, um, much to many people's um, surprise that we actually went there and very quickly. But when God says, go, you must go, um, it takes courage to be disobedient rather than be obedient in, in many ways. So I'm not sure whether many of you know about the statistics of the healthcare, particularly maternal healthcare in Myanmar. It's actually the worst mortality rate, maternal mortality rate in Southeast Asia. Um, they did a census in 2014 and found that over 2,800 women die in childbirth or pregnancy-related um, issues. And that's just a, an approximation. The Rohingya, um, people in the Rakhine state, as well as the Kachin and Kayan, people were not actually um, properly surveyed in that census. So it's more likely a lot higher than that. 
So the reason for that is that many of the women, particularly about 20% of women in the rural areas of Myanmar, don't actually see anyone in their um, pregnancy for any health care. So high issues of um, risk um, being multiple birth or pregnancy. Um, you've got the, the baby's position, making sure that the baby's ready to go in the right position or any other issues um, that can cause fetal death or maternal death aren't picked up. Often, just with a clinical assessment, ultrasound can pick up those. And in a study in Africa, they found that 12% of the midwives actually changed their diagnosis and um, health care that needed for the pregnancy of the pregnant woman um, after an ultrasound, after they'd been trained to do ultrasound. So that's a huge life-saving um, means. So the, the V-Scan access machine that you saw at the beginning of the, the clip, your church here helped fund. So I thank you so much for that. And it's making a big difference already. And what's so unique about that machine is that it contains four teaching videos, particularly for pregnant women, in, and in the Burmese language. You can actually change the language to a number of different languages. And one of them, amazingly, is Burmese. So that was just a, a real encouragement and just a confirmation that we are there doing the work at the right time with the, with the technology that God has put before us. So it's just amazing how things have got together and, and work. So the, the machine is actually made specifically for um, women or healthcare providers, be it, uh, midwives or community health workers, to actually quickly learn how to do ultrasound effectively. Um, it's battery operated, so in areas where there is no electricity, we can still use it. And as I said, they have the four teaching videos on board. So the vision for GraceWorks Myanmar that we believe is God-given, particularly just how God has put us all together at that particular time, is to have um, a healthcare worker in the areas that Myanmar like GraceWorks Myanmar are working to be trained in the healthcare using ultrasound just to help um, work in that area. And it was just an extraordinary opportunity last year. I was able to go to the Rakhine State with, with Peter and a team and see firsthand the amazing work that GraceWorks have been doing in this number of years. Um, just seeing the projects that have occurred and just to hear from women themselves unprompted what their vision, what their dream for their village is and a number of times it was for a community health worker or a hospital or a clinic there. So they can certainly see the need and they desire that for themselves. I just want to thank God for, for this opportunity and also just the fact that he's putting it all together. We don't know what, what's in store for our, our, our own lives. Um, certainly for me, I was given this um, desire for mission work um, in my early years of life and I trained as a radiographer knowing that I was to go on mission sometime. I met Michael soon after I, well actually towards the end of my um, study and got married and that was sort of put on the back burner. But then um, I felt very strongly to get back into radiography after having children and then um, ultrasound after that because that was more portable I thought for mission so I knew that was still going to be on the cars but didn't know where and uh, 2016 we had this opportunity within months to to go to Myanmar we'd never heard of Myanmar and many people haven't um, so it was just amazing how 
as Peter said, we met and it just all fell into place. And God is extraordinary. So listen to his voice, pray what your purpose is, and it's never, you're never too old. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ali. I've got this one. Amen. Well, isn't that great? I've got to tell you that uh, uh, in missions, in fact, in life, uh, when we pray, we should be praying for nothing short of miracles. And God's in the business of miracles. And uh, we've just had, uh, and excuse my voice, I've just been quite unwell. I'm just getting over bronchitis, so my voice is not great, uh, but we'll get through. So one of the um, great things that we enjoy and we get excited about is that God is in control and God will do what God wants to do, no matter what. And uh, we're in this healthcare area, and uh, I haven't actually had the discussion with Nelson yet, but another group who's doing similar to what we do, working in the area that we want to work in, uh, have one open discussions about partnering with them, a Christian group who are doing the most extraordinary work, so much so that Prince Charles heard about it and said, can I be your patron? And so that group is now wanting to have discussions that we can link up with them, another Christian group. So that's how God works. And we really don't have to get too excited and upset and whatever when we don't see things working out as we think they should. So my message this morning was, is a, I've titled it, And the Sower Went Forth. And the Sower Went Forth. Matthew 13 is the scripture that I'm going to be referring to, but I want to give you some context as to why I'm doing this teaching this morning. I have a teaching series that we've done called Seeds of the Kingdom. And I've just been uh, sharing this in a couple of Bible schools in Myanmar. But one of the uh, reasons that I've, I felt God moving my thinking and my uh, teaching into this space is each time I'm home in Australia or when I'm here, one of the contentions that I hear from people and churches is how bad things are in the country. So if we look at all the different sectors of our society, whether it be you know, environment, politics, the economy, whatever it is, it looks like a basket case. And the laws that are changing, uh, particularly in the area of uh, you know, sexual freedom and homosexuality, all those things, people are getting very upset and, and a lot of church people, a lot of Christians, and I can understand that, are asking the question, well, how does this work? I want to share with you this morning the model that Jesus introduced when he was on earth about how the kingdom was going to grow. Now, if we are in the kingdom of God, that is the first thing we need to understand. Are we in the kingdom of God now? That's a question, and I'm going to answer it at the end, when, at the end of my message. Are you in the kingdom of God now? Now, you're in church, you're born again, but where does the kingdom fit? Now, historically, historically, when Jesus came to earth and he began to move and do his ministry, historically, kingdoms... Kingdoms were taken by force. Political revolution, fighting, wars, battles, struggles, kings pulled down, kings raised up. Now Jesus came into that context. That's where he came, into that context. And, and many of the people there, particularly the Pharisees, thought they were already in the kingdom and that, the, they were, that, that Jesus was going to come and he was going to birth this new kingdom 
the way that they historically thought. So he began the process of changing the way that people think. Now I want you to follow me carefully this morning. Now watch this. Today, people want Jesus to change things the way they think it should be. Now, the, they, were, they being the disciples, the Pharisees, all the people of that time were looking to Jesus to change things from the outside. But that's not what he did. He said, in the context of, of, of Matthew 13 and the chapters prior, and we'll look at that, he chanted to change people from within. Oh, we don't really want to grapple with that process. It's far easier if we can change the government here, we can make new laws and we can change things. I'm talking about today, 2019. Let's make things easier. Let's, let's open things up so that the kingdom of heaven can just have a free ride. It doesn't work like that. And the process, this is what we need to understand, the process that Jesus used, that he introduced, the kingdom of heaven was totally the opposite to what people were expecting historically. They were thinking of force, political revolution, and they're looking to Jesus for that leap, that he's going to be the guy that's actually going to bring this. And then historically, the people of the day, particularly the Pharisees, and then the disciples had this idea that they could change things because everybody else was in sin, that if they repented, it would be great. That problem would be over. But that's not what Jesus said. How did he address this? He started in Matthew 4. That's why when you read the Bible, don't just read a verse. You read a verse, you must read the chapter, you must read the book. So the context of Matthew is really about changing the mentality of the people of the day, society of the day, changing the way that they are thinking. And Jesus did that through a number of different ways and we're going to look at that. There is no different today. In society today, it is absolutely no different. Even churches... Even churches, hello, even churches struggle with this because the change is coming from within. Remember, not from without. Don't look at everybody else. Jesus is about within. So this is how he addressed it. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to speak these stories to you because there's too much content. But what happened was that the devil knew he had a fight on his hands. So what he did, he took Jesus up into the mountain and he said, look, all of these kingdoms, look at them. They're yours. They're yours. And you know, Jesus then said to him those famous words, get behind me, Satan. Don't tempt the son of man. Now, what were those kingdoms? They were kingdoms of the world. Every one of those kingdoms that he looked at, where there was wealth, where there was prosperity, where there was greatness, every one of those kingdoms came into being by political revolution and force. 
Now, the same principle applies when we come to Christ. Those of you who are Christians, and we use the term born again, changed, how many of you came to Christ through force? So right now, Jesus says to him, get behind me, this is not going to work. Get out of here. And again, he did it more than once. The devil takes him to an exceeding high mountain and shows him the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. So he begins to appeal to Jesus in three categories, three areas. His ego, hello, his materialism and wealth. The devil today, right now, in Adelaide, in Blackwood, is appealing to people on the same basis. Exactly the same, never changed. It's exactly the same. He appeals to people in the church in the same way. Ego, look what you can have. Materialism, they're all the things that we see. There's a great book written by a guy called uh, Cider, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. And he talks about this, this, this principle, this truth. But the, nothing has changed in the strategy of the devil. So he tried to get Jesus, doesn't get him. So now we've got, so now Jesus says, well, I'm going to have to deal with this. My kingdom's not, doesn't, that's not what I'm talking about. So he goes back and he says, and then we see in, um, let me just pick it up. We'll, we'll look at um, Jesus begins to break this cycle of thinking. It's new, never been before. And how did he do it? They gathered and he begins to talk to them about the heart of Christ. Blessed are the what? The pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is crazy stuff. This is just crazy stuff. Blessed is the poor. And he goes on. Blessed is the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They never heard this stuff before. Never heard it. We can, I can go right through that Sermon on the Mount. That's another message of its own. But blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek and all this totally out of context to what society was at that time. Now, I've got a question for you. Is that out of context with what you face every day when you look at your TV, when you talk to people, you read the paper? We live in this society today and it's war, it's fighting, spiritual fighting, battles, context of thinking. So we have this war going on in the spiritual realm. And how do we deal with that? Because here's the model that Jesus did. He goes through the Sermon on the Mount, pivotal scripture in the Bible, pivotal time in history, because he's changing the whole culture and he's changing the thinking that this is not how it is going to be. What you thought it was, it's not going to be. So just imagine for a moment that if we brought the Sermon of the Mount to Parliament, to the G20 stuff that's going on, 
Why? All the negotiations, all of that stuff is about power, building your own kingdom. That's not what Jesus said, nor is it the basis of the kingdom of heaven. Are you in the kingdom of heaven now? Ask that question, I'm going to answer it again. I want you to start thinking in those terms. Are you in the kingdom of heaven now? And if so, what does that look like? So everything on the Sermon of the Mount that Jesus began to talk about, discuss with them and talk, and they argue, the Pharisees particularly, because that's what they did, they just argued. Everything in the Sermon of the Mount is contrary to their way of thinking and their cultural understanding of how society should exist and how people should relate. Everything in there is the antithesis of what they believe. Everything in the Bible today, everything in the Sermon of the Mount today in 2019 is the antithesis of what people who do not know Christ see the church and see how it should operate. So they even said to them, the disciples said, and, and the people of the day said, well, hold on a minute, send us a sign. Give us a sign that all this makes sense. Because they want evidence, they want to see stuff. And so they start challenging this. And he kept the course. He kept the course. So he talks in parables. That's how Jesus delivers the gospel, delivers the truth of the kingdom of heaven. He begins to talk in parables. Now, let me just talk about a parable. Because at the end of this, he says, the end of, this, um, of his sermon on the mount, a little bit further down, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, we get upset, and I go to a lot of churches, and I hear a lot of stories. I hear a lot of folk, and I understand get upset with the church. Oh, the leadership, this is happening, that is happening. The church should be doing this. I never hear people saying, the kingdom of heaven is sovereign and reigns over all. If we changed our mentality to, from what we think the church should be to where it is in the kingdom of heaven, it really helped me personally. And I passed it for many years. I began, it was like a spiritual epiphany. I began to see the whole case So now. I'm actually in the kingdom of heaven. The church is the glue that holds that together because Christ is coming back for the church. But there's something bigger. It's the kingdom of heaven. And he said this. He said, repent. He actually had that word in front. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was after Satan took him up in the mountain. Now, repent. When I came to Christ, when I became a Christian, my story was that I, I didn't actually really repent from stuff, not because I was you know, a perfect child or a perfect person, but what I discovered that there were things in my life that were not right. So what Jesus says is when we repent, we recognise there's things in our life that are not right. And when he deals with stuff, as he was in that point, at, at that time in history, when he deals with stuff, and he does it through the Sermon of the Mount. 
He's actually planting seeds of repentance. Hang on a minute. I, I'm not a peacemaker. Meek. Meek. A lot of people think meekness, by the way, is weakness. No, it's not. Meekness is our strength under God's control. You can write that down. Meekness is our strength under God's control. So here we are. And he says, now, repent. Repentance is this. It's recognising that things are not right. So you don't repent once. It's a very strong word, but, you know, most of our thinking is about you repent, you get saved, all that's true. But we should be in this process. It's a process that we're continually recognising Oh, there's some things that are not right. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He, that's the only word that Jesus connected with the kingdom of heaven after the devil had, had tried to pull him down. That was the only word. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So parables, he begins to talk in parables. And there's a lot of different interpretations of what a parable is, but I'm going to give you another one. I'm going to give you a different one because I think uh, this explanation I'm giving you helped me. And I teach this in Myanmar to people that don't know anything about Christianity. To give you an example, parables are right through the Bible. Parables are not just what Jesus said. I want to give you an example in the Old Testament of Nathan in 2 Samuel verse 11. He goes to David. Now, for the sake of time, the story is that David had an affair with a lady called Bathsheba, right? And, and God wanted to deal with him. So he sends Nathan to him, and Nathan doesn't go off accusing him. Nathan says to him, oh, i got a story to tell you. So he tells a story. 2 Samuel 11, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, this is what he said. Now, this is a guy that's been in sin and... The Lord's wanting to, to, to wake him up, wanting to see something because here's the problem. A lot of people don't get parables. They think it's about everybody else. But I'll tell you what a parable is. It's about you and I and I will prove it to you. It is about you and I. When he came to him, that is when Nathan came to David, he says, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he bought. He raised it, grew it up with him and his children. It shed his food, drink, and drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who came to him. Now, David, here's the story. And he gets, what's actually happening here is Nathan's painting a picture about David's sin, but he doesn't get it. In fact, he even gets angry. He says, David burned with anger. And said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Didn't get it. Nathan says to him, you are the man. It's actually about you, David. You're the man. 
but he didn't get it. Someone as smart as David did not get it. So Jesus, take, now follow me here. Listen closely. Jesus takes that same principle and he begins to tell the crowds that included the disciples who, who didn't get it either. And he begins to talk to them about what the kingdom of heaven is like. 2019, same story, same truth, same pattern. Matthew 13, my key scripture this morning. Three parts of this story, the sower, the seed and the soil. I can only talk about the sower this morning and the seed, just a little bit. But this is a whole exegesis we should be learning if you're in the kingdom of heaven, you need to know what this scripture means and you need to know that you are in the kingdom of heaven, if you are. This applies to every one of us today. And such large crowds gathered around him, got into boats, sat in it. Large crowds, Jesus. Now this is an anomaly because Jesus wasn't actually interested in large crowds and I'll show you why. While all the people stood on the shore. And he told them many, par- many things in parables saying in the sower or the farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places and the seed didn't take because it was, the soil was shallow. The sun came up, scorched the seed and they withered and they had no root. Other, fell, other seed fell upon thorns which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, one in four. So there's a three quarters of the people did not get it. And most of them would have said, well, we're in the kingdom of heaven. But they didn't get it. And Jesus today, it's exactly the same. It is exactly the same. People don't get it. And I'm talking about people who think they're in the kingdom, people who think they're saved. They live like they're saved. They believe they're saved, but they don't get it, what it really means. And he's saying here, hang on a minute. There's only a third of them who actually get it. And then he begins and he says to them, the disciples then said, well, why do you speak in parables? And he said, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. These are the disciples. He's given it to you. But some of you don't get it. Here's the question this morning. Who's the sower? People come to me often when I travel and they go, oh, I've got, I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what I should be doing for God. Do you know what you should be doing? Sowing seed. Everybody can sow seed. You just sow seed. You just plant seed wherever you go. I shared the last time I was here about your place of employment, your neighbourhood where you live, If you see that as your church and you begin to live as the pastor of that community, as the pastor in your workplace, these are my people. They're just on a journey of faith. They're not yet in church. They're on a journey. Sow seed. That's what he's saying. Sow seed. Folks, listen, just get this this morning. Some of them didn't get this. They just did not get it. Like David did not get it. Every one of us, every one of us can sow seed. Every one of us can sow seed. That's the principle of the kingdom of heaven. It's not a secret. 
Then he goes on and he says to them, he said, some hear, some see, but they don't hear and they don't, and they don't see. When we, became, when we are born again, those of you that have no Christ, I'm going to read verse 18 of this chapter 13. This is what Jesus said. Listen. Listen. Then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Kingdom of heaven, the first thing that we need to learn and understand is what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the seed that he's talking about? Because when we get it, it'll take away all a lot of the problems that we, we grapple with about how church should be, how life should be. There's only one purpose. You know, we look at the world today. We look at politics. We look at all these things. And in many contexts, it's a mess. Yet in the middle of this and in the middle of the church struggles, the agenda of Jesus is going on, folks. It's not going to change. If I had time, I would tell you, uh, Richard Stark wrote a great book called The Triumph of Christianity, talking about how Christianity is expanding in the world rapidly because it says that the seed it's like yeast in the dough. He says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast in the dough. That the, this, the woman puts the yeast in the dough. And what happens? It spreads. How does it spread? Slowly. Hello? Slowly. We want it instant. That's not what Jesus said. Nor was it what he planted, but yet we want it instant. It's got to be quick. It slowly, sometimes painfully, but the results are amazing. Enough, 30, 60, 100 fold from the seed. If we grow the seed, the result is amazing. We enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to this. Get this. The moment you become born again, receive the seed of salvation, you enter the kingdom of heaven. Hello? It's not when you die, it's when you become born again. So don't define me by where I live, by where I go. Define me as a child of the king in the kingdom of heaven. That's where I am. That's where you are. And that's your calling, sow the seed. That's all you have to do. The model's not changed. Jesus said, Hebrews 13, for Jesus Christ is what? The same yesterday, today and forever. And that's an eternal statement. That's not a, just a quick generic statement. That is an eternal statement. If you read that and do an exegesis on that, you'll see that yesterday was time before. The years ahead 
It's forever, yesterday, today, forever. That's why we have this assurance. That's why we have this confidence. When we understand what Jesus actually did and what he planted, that will change the way that you think, the way that you see heaven. So you're in the kingdom of heaven right now. What does that look like? What does that look like for you and I today? What does that seed look like? What are you doing with the seed now? Wherever we go, whatever we do, we are planting seed. We're planting seed because it's a kingdom that we're in. We're in the greatest kingdom that has ever been birthed. And that kingdom reigns right now. And the unbeliever will not get it. They just won't get it. So we can have all the arguments we can have about all the politics and everything else. And I don't even go there now. I just want to stay. This is where I am, God. This is what you asked me to do. Just sow seed. Just like Ali in a, in a clinic. Sow seed. Talk to people. What you do in your workplace, talk to people. Sow seed. Exciting. Did you get something this morning? Because my time was up. This is usually a two-hour sermon. Surely. Um, that's an hour interpretation. So, uh, you know, I get some leeway. But what I want you to see this morning, what I want you to take away is, a, is the understanding of the truth of the kingdom of heaven and that you are in that kingdom right now. Right now. Amen? Amen. Exciting? This is exciting. If you get a hold of it, you will just keep going forward. And the problems that we have, and I have them and you have them, we all have them. The kingdom of heaven is greater. Amen. You know, I've got some news for you. Just a snippet. You're going to have problems in this church. Hallelujah. Everybody said, that's great. <laughs> You're going to have problems. I have problems in my church. I have problems in Grace Works. I have problems everywhere. But you know, the kingdom of heaven is what I'm focused on. That's what I see. The church is the framework that Jesus works through. But the kingdom is where I live. Amen? God bless you. Uh, let me pray with you. And I think, Sam, you're going to come and wrap up. Um, would you like to stand with me? Just stand and let's seal this this morning. Father, we seal this word in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we would see what you see. We would see things from a throne room perspective. Father, show us, show us how you see it, not how we see it. May we see beyond today and the problems in our feet, the problems around us, whatever they may be, but that we can change, Lord. We can see the culture of the kingdom. Lord, the culture of the kingdom. Change our thinking patterns. Change our mentality. Lord, that we're in something far greater than what is at our feet today. We're in something that is sovereign, that rules the earth greater than any president or king. We're in the kingdom of heaven. Father, bless every person that is here and every family, and I pray they be anointed and blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, we love having you here.
I like so much. I think, has, has anyone got those family sort of um, reunions or whatever and there's that uncle that comes and all the kids love him because they go away changed because of this uncle like gives them stuff. I feel, I feel like you, when you come, you give us stuff and we go away changed. And so thank you so much for that word. I think uh, it's a word for our church um, and uh, thanks that there's going to be problems in our church. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good to know. Oh, okay. I've got to work on that. Um, we're we're going to um, wrap up our, our time now. Um, and, but just encourage people to come and uh, have a, a cup of tea or a coffee uh, afterwards. But it's a couple of things just I just wanted to make mention of. Cass, so great that you're with us. I uh, sort of snuck in there. I opened my eyes. Hey, Cass is here. Be great, uh, yeah, to touch back. Uh, touch base with uh, Cass over a coffee as well. And Mark Schillingford up the back. Are you going this week? Is it this week? Mark, we're, we're talking about uh, missions and we're a big mission church. Mark's actually um, going to the Philippines this week uh, with some friends from the CFC, um, heading over there uh, on and doing some building work with some toilets. So it'd be great to um, pray for, for Mark too. Uh, and if anyone, um, we normally have a a time of prayer afterwards uh, during the song. If anyone's uh, yeah, re- come with a real need, um, perhaps there's the word has, has really spoken to you about uh, your role uh, as a follower of Christ and you just want to um, yeah, just pray through that, I encourage you to do that now uh, as, as we head out uh, to coffee and tea. So bless you all. Love to see you next week and have a great week.